Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and once again thank you for taking time out of your schedule to uh, just take this time and share the Word of God with us and our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, we are in a series right now on the seven I am's of Jesus. Jesus said seven times in the book of St. John, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I am the vine. All of them are sayings that Jesus had that are just powerfully significant, and we have filmed, I think, to date about 16 programs on the first four I Am's of Jesus. Today we will begin a series on the fifth I Am, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I've got some good things I want to share with you, so uh, just stay with us, and uh, I think you'll really get something out of this series that we're teaching. I want to say also that if you've just tuned in for the first time and you say, boy, I sure hate that I missed the first four, uh, the good news is that we archive everything we air to date on our YouTube channel. And you can go to YouTube and watch them on demand, and there's a lot of people who are watching us on YouTube, and it really makes it nice because you can watch them on demand at your convenience. You can pause it, stop, listen, uh, rewind it, and go back and look at it again. We also have several groups that share some of the programs in our, in their, I'm sorry, their Wednesday night uh, midweek services or in many uh, home groups that may just play a 30-minute segment of one of our YouTube programs and then have a discussion on the Word of God. It's a good way to get the Word in your hearts. Uh, if you've missed them, like I said, they are archived there on YouTube. Uh, the easiest way to do any of that is to go to my website, and that address is on the screen. It's simply lynnhiles.com. And the opening page has a video screen of me. If you just tap on that, it'll take you directly to our YouTube channel. Uh, also, if you say, well, I just really don't have time to sit and watch these videos, we have, an I, uh, we have a podcast on iTunes. And again, uh, the easiest way to do that is to go to the website, and in the upper right-hand corner, there is an iTunes podcast icon. If you will tap on that, it will take you directly to our podcast. Uh, then if you say, well, I don't have uh, uh, iTunes, but I have an RSS or an Android device, there's also an icon in that upper right-hand corner for your Android device so that you can get the audio portions of this both in your Android, your uh, your, your Apple device, uh, your TV. There are so many ways to get the Word today that it's just, you know, to me incredible that we have all of this at our disposal. So you can go there and do that. Uh, if you want to subscribe to those channels, uh, uh, you will receive an email every time we upload a new one to uh, our YouTube or iTunes page, and it costs you nothing. We don't charge anything for that. Uh, for the subscription at this point. Yeah, I would say, though, if you really are enjoying your feeding from us and you'd like to sow into our ministry, uh, there's a link on from our website where it's easy to do that via PayPal, credit card, debit card, or by calling the number on the screen. I want to get into the Word, though. Uh, we've already uh, uh, opened several portions of Scripture over the last several weeks, and we're going to get in here again today 
And we're going to go to the fifth time that Jesus says, I am. Uh, he writes in John 20, he said, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, these were infallible proofs that He in fact was Messiah. Now this story has so much in it that I'm really going to dig around in it for the next couple of weeks. But I'm going to begin by reading John 11. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Martha which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus had heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified thereby. That's an important statement there. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he said to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. And his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If a man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto him, them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoke of taking a rest of sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. That's important, that to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is also called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was down to Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat in, still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. See, this is the fifth time Jesus would make the statement, I am. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believeth in me will never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord I, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose and quickly and came unto him. 
Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, and when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily, went out, followed her, saying, She goes to the grave to weep there. Then Mary, when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave, and it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. That will be a powerfully important point in a few moments. Take ye away the stone. And Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the, the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hadst hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. I believe that's another powerful point. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary, and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees. They went to the Pharisees, and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priest of the Pharisees a council, and said, What do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. And if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and then that the whole nation should perish, or perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forward they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence into a country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples and the Jews' feast of Passover was not at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves, saying, As they stood in the temple, What think ye? Will he come to the feast? Now let me just stop before I, uh, I get into... Uh, uh, there's so much in this that I, I want to share with you that is so powerful. I think the story of Lazarus, first of all, this is the fifth time that Jesus said, I am the way, or I am the resurrection and the life. Now what we did in several uh, of the other I am's is we dealt with how every time Jesus would say I am, he said it in contrast to the fact that they thought, for instance, when he says I am, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, 
uh, they thought the way was through the law of Moses. And he was saying to them, that's not the way, I'm the way. When he said, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven, he's saying that in contrast to they said, uh, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. And Jesus said, but I am the true bread. So he's saying, you thought that was the bread, but that was not the bread. I'm the bread. You thought that the true vine was Israel, but I'm the true vine. And if any man abides in me, you thought the law of Moses and the way of the old covenant was the light, but that's not the light. I am the, I am the light of the world. And so as I thought about this particular one, I began to think about how he is making the comparison again with, what's the contrast here? In other words, if I am the resurrection and the life, what did they think was the life before? Uh, one of the things he said to me, says to them, let's read this. This is John 5, verse 36 through 47. He said, but I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, and the Father that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him you believe not. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, for they are they which testify of me. Now remember that the scriptures he's talking about here are not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or any of the New Testament scriptures, because they had not yet been written. So he's saying to them, you search these Old Testament scriptures because you think in them you have life, but they are they which testify of me. In other words, you think this is the resurrection, and you think this is the life, but that's not the life. I'm the resurrection, and I'm the life, and I'm the one that's going to give you this life. And he says, search the, you search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? And then he makes this powerful statement, verse 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe uh, my words? So the contrast again is, he's saying to them, you thought Moses and the law and these scriptures was what was going to give you life but they did not give you life. They testified of him. And he said, do not think I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, whom you serve. So he's saying to them, see, Moses is the one who's bringing legal indictment against you, and it is not producing life in you. It is producing death. So once again, he's making this powerful contrast that that's not the life. I'm the life. And I, you know, I, to me this is very, very powerful because when we come into this story then of Lazarus, it's kind of a picture to me 
you know, everything Jesus did is just not by chance. There's going to be so many nuggets in this that we're going to dig out that I think you're going to be blessed by it. But when, uh, when Jesus, uh, you know, is, is coming, first of all, to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And he comes to the tomb, uh, or he comes, he, he, he tells them that he stayed away on purpose because that, uh, you know, uh, so that the glory of God could be revealed. And he tells them, you know, that Lazarus is asleep. And so what I begin to think about Lazarus, and I begin to think about Jesus being the resurrection and the life, and I begin to think about Lazarus being dead for four days. I begin to think about the scripture that says a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So if you could kind of see this picture of Lazarus as being dead for four days, let's just say that Adam came the first day, and then 4,000 years of human history had passed when Jesus is now on the scene. And by the time Jesus came on the scene, about 4,000 years after the death of Paul of Adam, he comes to bring life to the entire human family because by now the human family had been dead for four days, or if you will, 4,000 years, because the day with the Lord is a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is as one day. And Jesus has come on the scene, and he's going to begin to declare, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And if you simply believe, you can receive this resurrection life. Now I start to get excited and get real talking real fast, but uh, you know, uh, Jesus comes on the scene in this powerful moment uh, to begin to declare a word of resurrection. And there is no doubt of the story of Lazarus is a story of an individual who was raised. And we'll go back and get a lot of powerful nuggets from this. But I want you to see some things that I really saw in the Spirit in this, is that Jesus comes on the scene, and the human family have been dead for 4,000 years, or if you will, four days. And they take Jesus to the tomb of Lazarus. And when they take him down to the tomb of Lazarus, uh, Jesus says to them, roll the stone away. Now what that powerfully pictures to me is that the stone of the law had sealed the tomb of death of the human family because it was the covenant of death that kept us bound and locked into an old covenant of death. That is the old covenant of sin and death. And so Jesus comes on the scene and says the first thing that I believe he wants to say to every man, woman, boy, and girl who are believers in him today, and especially to preachers and men of God, roll the stone away. You're going to have to take the law out of the picture. Not so dead, stinking flesh can get loose. See, a lot of people have preached freedom from the law. And they've rolled the stone away. And all they've done is release dead, stinking flesh and the stench of it. But I'm not saying roll the stone away so your flesh can have a heyday. I'm saying roll the stone away so that you can call forth the power of the resurrection in the life of every believer and can declare to them, come forth. Hallelujah. And so as we begin to roll the stone away, one of the things that this ministry does, and a great emphasis that we put constantly on this program, is the rolling the stone away. That the covenant of Moses who accused you uh, is, is the one who has probably helped seal this, it's rolled the rock over the tomb, if you will. 
But when he, Jesus says this even in John 5, when he says, you know, he says that there is one that accuses you, even Moses, but don't think that I will accuse you to the Father. And he also says that in verse 39, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. So what he's saying here is, listen, you've turned to all of this other stuff, and what are the, you've turned to the Scriptures, and once again, I'm not this these Scriptures were the Old Covenant Scriptures, because the New Testament had not yet been written. And so he said, you're turning to them, and you're turning to Moses, and you're turning to the law, and all that does is it brings you back up under the covenant of death, where you have to mourn, uh, you know, constantly living in a grave-tending thing. I love what the Message Bible says, that this new life in Christ is not a grave-tending life. It's, a, it's an, an excited expectancy that says, uh, what's next, Papa? It's living this life out of the power of resurrection. And so when he says, when he's making the contrast, do not think I will accuse you to the Father. Moses is the one who is accusing you to the Father, but do not think I will accuse you to the Father. I'm going to release a word that's going to call forth a human family. And as he begins to say, even in the latter part of John 11, he didn't come just so the Jews would believe, but that all men might believe that he in fact was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing they might have life through His name. That's the powerful thing of what He's doing. And then, you know, the thing is, as He begins to uh, release that on the human family, He begins to declare to them, uh, He begins to declare to them, uh, loose Him and let Him go. In other words, I think the next thing, you know, I have a friend who says, you know, that when people ask Him a lot of times on an airplane what his mission, or what, what He does, He says, I take grave clothes off of resurrected people. I think that's a pretty powerful way to say it, is that what we must do is that I believe that we are in a season where real men and women of God are beginning to get the guts to preach the truth of God's Word that are not going to be like these scribes and Pharisees, afraid they're going to lose their crowd, but they're going to begin to loose God's people and let them go. And like once again, I'm not saying that we loose them for the purpose of letting dead, stinking flesh have a heyday, but that we might release them into the power of a resurrected life, that we might know Him in the power of His resurrection and in the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable to His death, if by any means we might attain under the resurrection of the dead, is what Paul says in Philippians 3, I believe it is. And so he's simply saying to them, listen, I, I can sometimes see, uh, I, I, I can almost just picture God's people, as it were, wrapped up in mummy cloth. I mean, there's life inside there. But we keep them so locked up into this, uh, in, into this, uh, you know, wrapped up with religious bondages and concepts and ideas of men, and 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 we've kept people in bondage to, uh, you know, our rules and regulations. And many times the bondages that we put people up under are not even scriptural stuff. 
You know, I was visiting my mom last night, and she was saying about how we've come from such a background of bondage and legalism, and she was talking about how, you know, when we, uh, you know, uh, uh, our early days, how, you know, that was especially hard on women, and she said you couldn't hardly wear your hair and anything except a knot or a or a beehive, and she said, then, you know, uh, the maxi dress, they always preached we need to wear the long dresses. And of course, I know Paul teaches modest apparel. I'm not saying that we should be indecent. But she said, then they came out with the maxi dresses, and all of a sudden they began to preach against that because now we've went Hollywood. And, you know, in other words, we put bondages on people that have pushed them away from the house of God and wonder why we lost all of our young people and we lost people. See, because what happens with this grave tending life and with all of this stuff, it's like one layer after the other. We have wrapped people up in religious bondages until they literally have the life snuffed out from underneath of them. And I kind of see them coming up out of that grave and ministries like mine and others that are now on television as well and all over the country are grabbing a hold of those pieces of grave cloth. And piece by piece, we're beginning to remove uh, the bondages and the death clothes. I believe our mission is to roll the stone away to call forth the power of resurrection and then to begin to loose them and let them go that they might come forth into the newness of life and that they might see this powerful resurrection of Christ and this powerful, uh, you know, spirit of resurrection. Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, I believe it is. Let me just read a few verses here. Uh, in Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says, In whom ye trusted... After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession uh, uh, to, under the praise of His glory. And then skip on down to verse 19. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand. So his, that if we, for us who believe, there's a working of His mighty power that is to usward and then he comes on and includes us in this incredible thing in, in, in Ephesians 2, verse 1. He says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So he's not just talking to Lazarus, he's talking to you. I'm telling you, there may be even things in your life that seem like they're dead, but I'm going to tell you that this is a day when He is releasing the power of resurrection. He's the only one I know of could be four days late and still be on time, but He's releasing the power or the word of resurrection because you were dead in trespasses and sins. In verse number 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, He hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're about to run out of time, but you've been raised from the dead, you've been set free, 
Uh, we just, we're just running out of time. So take a moment if you want to sow seed into this ministry. Call the number on the screen. Go to our website and do it. If you like what we're saying and you'd like to be a part of helping us take the gospel around the world, you can do it also by writing a check and send it to the address that will come on the screen. I trust this week's been a blessing to you. We're going to continue to unpack it, so tune in again next week at the same time. God bless you for joining us today. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.